0: The use of dismembered, I'm unsure of.
1: I googled define number. Yeah. The first one was what you would think. Okay. Her arms were right. cut off, her, her legs, legs were cut off. off. <laughs> the second one was this. What does it mean? Like, to be uh, separated from something. Oh, like identity, you are kind of thinking. Okay, yeah. Well, ChatGBT was thinking, okay. <laughs>
0: Welcome to episode six of Rebel's Agenda. I'm Katrina and I'm here with my co-host Lindsay. If you didn't catch last week, Nellie Bly was a famous author who traveled the world in less than 72 or in 72 days and spent 10 days undercover in a madhouse. But today we'll be talking
1: about Christine Jorgensen. So Lindsay, tell us about America's trans sweetheart. Yes. So Christine was born George William Jorgensen Jr. In the 1920s in the Bronx New York and Christine knew from the age of four or five that she identified as female she remembers hating boys clothes wanting to play with girls toys and developing crushes on boys so she felt quote lost between the sexes as a teenager and found herself being more envious of girls than interested in them. Christine, at the time George, was learning to become a photographer at the New York Institute of Photography when drafted into the military to do clerical work. This was in 1945 and then was discharged the following year. So, decided after that to take about five years. And in this five years of kind of off time and pursuing photography, did a lot of reading about uh, transitioning from male to female. So, in 1950, Jorgensen went to Denmark which is one of the only places where this was a thing, to begin the transition. Again, treatment was only available in Europe at the time, and this included hormone therapy and three operations. Her process took nearly two years to complete, and she chose the name Christine, which was in honor of her surgeon, Dr. Christine Hamburger. (laughs) Love that last name. Uh, Christine intended for this transition to remain private. But an unidentified person contacted the press in 1952. So the New York Daily News published a front page article with the headline, XGI becomes blonde beauty operations transform Bronx youth. So this was along with some before and after pictures. So if you can imagine a front page article, it really went wild in the press and So, arriving home in New York City a few months after that article came out, Christine was an instant celebrity to the point where there was a police escort. And interview footage shows her surrounded by 300 reporters at the airport, answering questions and admitting, I thank you all for coming, but I think it's too much. And she ended up really embracing the attention. So, reflecting on her experience years later, she said, I decided if they wanted to see me, they were going to have to pay for it. She ended up doing an exclusive interview for American Weekly. She had a nightclub act where she sang I Enjoy Being a Girl in a Wonder Woman costume, was a public lecturer at universities, wrote a book, story was adapted into a film, and uh, her story was told. In the late 1950s, she did get engaged to a man named Howard J. Knox, but they never married. That was because same-sex marriage was not legal at the time, and her birth certificate still listed her as male, so they weren't uh, allowed to have a marriage certificate. And then passed away from cancer in 1989. Christine's very public transformation from male to female launched a national discussion about gender identity and helped bring the word transsexual into the American vocab. Uh, And she continues to inspire others who experience gender dysphoria along with all of us today. That's a bio.
0: XGI turned, what was it? XGI becomes blonde beauty. XGI becomes blonde beauty. I I love Christine's story because that first article seems like it was phrased like pretty positively. Yeah. And then from there on out, most of her publicity was positive. It sounded like, which is awesome and a little surprising. Yeah. Generally received positively, it seems. Yeah. Hollywood embraced her is what we read. Yeah. And she ended up basically monetizing her transition, which is kind of my... Brings me to our first question of why is she bad, mm. bad and badass. It's interesting that she took that opportunity of okay, I, I feel a little bit like a bug under a microscope or a looking glass or whatever it is. Yeah. People, you know, everyone all of a sudden I'm I've transitioned and everyone wants a piece of me. Everyone wants to see me. Well, if they're gonna if they're going to do that, if I'm gonna let them, I'm gonna make money off of it. might as well to pay, make
1: makes a buck, here which is then. pretty
0: badass. <laughs> and it's interesting her she didn't transition for publicity, but it ended up being her career. Yeah, pretty much. So Christine wrote a letter to her parents. Yeah. That said, nature made a mistake, which I have corrected. And now I am your daughter. So some might say going against nature in any capacity is bad. Yeah. And that is, I think the core reason why there are many folks who do struggle with the idea of someone who has transitioned. Christine even says, nature messed up.
1: I corrected it. And here I am, world. also why it's badass. It's exactly. anytime you're going yeah. against the grain, it's yes. providing this beacon of change for others. And it's important. Otherwise, we would stay the same all the time. That's boring. So we were looking for some stats or some data on was there tracking of the number of transgender folks in America around the time that Christine's story came out? And we did have a bit of a hard time finding like numbers to back that. We did see that in the past five years, the number of transgender youth has doubled. Which brings to mind the question, how do we think that Christine's story would have inspired others to make that transition? And why do we think it's doubled in the past five years? Gender fluidity and being transgender
0: has been a very hot topic as woke culture and kind of a more liberal social movement has become really prominent. So the question then becomes, or has the trans population doubled because they are now feeling accepted and like it is okay to come out as trans? Or and maybe it's a combination. Is there a little bit more of a nurture aspect where youth, you know, this these stats were between ages 13 and 24, the youth in America is seeing that this is an option
1: and maybe they're Influenced by that in some way. yeah. Having a new thought that they may not have had before because the option is presented. Presented in the forefront, accepted. Yeah. I think it's probably a both and. I think the hope for me is that as presented, if someone has that kind of innate desire in them, they may not be able to identify it on their own or have the words to express it. But then when given the words, it's easier to understand and to work through that personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're, I think that that is the fear for, for some is I'm not going to expose my children, for example, to certain content. Whether it's Harry Potter because you're afraid of magic <laughs> or whether yeah. it's, you know, Rugrats because Angelica's mean. My husband, Zach, wasn't allowed to ru- watch Rugrats. Like Cute. when you're exposed to, to s- certain ideas – the fear is, well, is that going to make me more like that? But, but again, I, I hope it's something that uh, when there's more publicity around being your true self, hopefully that enables people to have the words and to step into that power. I understand
0: that especially for minors,
1: yep. making permanent changes to their
0: body, being th- a hot that's topic. That's a tough one. And, <laughs> and I also want to point out, Christine knew at age like four or five, she did. And very I young. like uh, if as a mom, as a future mom, if my kid had known since they were four or five, yep, you know, puberty hits and this is your chance to prevent your voice from dropping and prevent your balls from dropping, and you've already known for ten years, my kids, my kid's doing it. If there were no signs and all of a sudden my fourteen year old is getting this thought, I'm I'm going to think really hard about that yeah. one and probably make them wait several more years. Sure. But I often hear that these stories do start. Really, really young.
1: Yeah. I also think it's something that can be more fluid than so hard lines. Christine often emphasized that no one had to be 100% male or 100% female. It was acceptable and normal to be a little of both. So I do think, as opposed to thinking about it so much as like three surgeries and done, maybe we should think about it as, you know, this is who I am in my, this stage or season of life. And we're leaving the, the door open for possibility. I don't know. I could be speaking out of turn and maybe she was like pretty. I, I think it's individual to the to the person. I, I've
0: known people that have gone through different seasons where they're male presenting or they're female presenting and there hasn't been any permanent change. And if that feels authentic to them and helps them live their their best, most fulfilled life, then that's
1: great. Something that comes to mind for me is intersectionality, which is something that we've talked about a decent amount. For those that don't know, Katrina and I both worked at a company called Inspire. We were both chairs of employee resource groups, and so there was just a lot of different intersectionality happening, happening and being talked about between women, people of color, and the LGBTQIA+ community. So I think it's really important as we talk about as we talk about trans people to consider the privilege that comes with, you know being assigned male at birth and white and wanting to make this transition and how that experience may have been uh, better received, better accepted by the public because of those two very standard privileges or those powerful privileges. What
0: would the headline have been if it had been a black man, a Mexican man, an Asian man? Right. Probably not. That they're a blonde bombshell no. <laughs> and probably not as positive. Yeah, it's, it's a great point. And the other privileges that Christine had, and I'm so glad she did, and it just makes me sad that others don't, is supportive parents
1: mm-hmm.
0: and money to go to Europe and mm-hmm. pay for all of this. Totally. And it just wouldn't have been possible without that. And yeah. we never would have had her. Which brings me to a question that you put down. What does it look like today to be a
1: good ally to the yeah. LGBT QIA plus community? Yes. I think it means a lot more listening than it means talking, which can be a challenge for me, for humans. (laughs) I think being a good ally is coming to a conversation, coming to a uh, experience with an open heart and an open mind with the intention to love people because people are inherently deserving of love and to stand up if and when there is something being done or being witnessed that is inappropriate or harmful. Um, Those are the things that come to mind for me.
0: I agree with all of those. And something that I learned five years ago, I would have said asking questions with the intent of wanting to learn more makes you a good ally. Mm. I no longer believe that that's true. How do I wanna say this? Or what am I trying to say? Like, if you're meeting a trans person and you have you have all these questions, it's like, is your intention to learn and educate yourself, or is it kind of just satisfying your own curiosities? And even if you do have like the more noble intention of wanting to learn, is it that person's job to take the energy to teach you? Totally. I'd never thought about that before. And then it was pointed out to me at Inspire when we were doing all of that D E and I work when people want to learn from you, it's very draining. And you're like, okay, all of a sudden I'm experiencing, I have a history of just my people being discriminated against. And now you want me to just teach you about it yeah. for free <laughs> and for fun. Yeah. I had, I had no idea. But then the second it's explained to you, yeah, you're like, oh my gosh, that's so fucked up. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's a great aha moment. And it's a fine line to walk because if you are genuinely curious about something and you have a relationship with that person, it can be being a good ally, which I feel like you've done well in moments in our friendship of having a genuine curiosity, asking a question and putting boundaries around it to be like, I don't want this to drain you, but like, I'm trying to learn here. So can you just like give me what you're willing to give? Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. definitely. Whereas, you know, going up to somebody that you don't have as close of a relationship with, or just putting that burden to your point on, the historically marginalized who have already dealt with the, bur- the burden of having the marginalization. Right, to then be the educator. Also, one thing I think you do really well as an ally is taking feedback. It's very hard to take feedback. It's hard to ask for it too. But to be, oh, that's kind of what I meant by I think taking an open heart and that's a good example is, all right, yeah, I guess I fucked up shit. <laughs> you yeah. know, Whoops. and I'll do better Should next time. Yeah. yeah, do better next time. And I I've tried to do that as well and I think that's how I could... I would be a good ally to, um, to LGBTQ as well.
0: All right, let's hear the Christine Jorgensen poem.
1: Okay, so this one was assisted by ChatGPT. No,
0: you're going to tell them? Yeah,
1: that. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. It's- I'm, listen, it's not plagiarism. It's using tools at my disposal. I'm trying to switch it up every week. I won't do it again. <laughs> okay. This is called She Hers for Christine Jorgensen. Christine Jorgensen, a name to remember, a lighthouse for those dismembered. Born George with one burning desire, to be Christine, was her soul's fire. In Denmark, she found the path to change, two years of treatment for the exchange. Despite her desire to transition privately, headlines announced her story overtly. Instead of hiding, she embraced the celebrity, becoming a voice for trans visibility. Her courage sparked a movement's flame, a legacy that forever remains.
0: I like that one. It's more of a narrative. It is. It tells a
1: story.
0: The use of "dismembered," I'm unsure of.
1: Also, I I did uh, I Googled define "dismember." Yeah. The first one was what you would think. Okay, her arms right. were cut off. Her, her legs, were legs were cut off. off. <laughs> <laughs> the second one was this. What does it mean? Like to be uh, separated from something. Oh, mm-hmm. like identity. You're kind of thinking. Okay, yeah. Well, ChatGPT was thinking. Okay. <laughs> Dead. Okay. So, what's what's going on next week? Next week, we're talking through Dr. Ruth. She was a sex therapist pretty widely known in like the 70s or 80s i think we'll find out so it'll be a fun one get some some sex wisdom from yeah Yeah, who's been around we can't wait all right well thank you for tuning in if you would subscribe to the podcast we've got two more episodes after this for season one and we're excited about them both and please rate us give us some feedback and we will see you next time thank you